0: From Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio 3CR. We are still
1: fired up and we're still talking about revolution.
0: Hello and welcome to the Doon Time show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and I'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. We've got two um, very, very important interviews today and first up we'll be speaking with Liz Walsh from the Refugee Action Collective and we're going to be speaking about a, re- a refugee rights protest at Bill Shorten's office, which happened on Monday, June the 4th at 12pm, 12, 12 Hall Street, Mooney Ponds. And Liz and I are going to be having a very, very pertinent discussion um, about refugees and asylum seekers and the fact that um, the Labor has, has not given us too much support um, around that. And we're going to clear up a few, a few issues and, and talk about that. And just to to get a little bit of a quote from the media release, after five years of hell, after 11 deaths in the offshore camps, enough is enough. The thousands of men, women and children detained on Manus and Nauru must be evacuated immediately and brought to Australia. The camps must be closed, the boats must also be welcomed. And that was a a quote from um, Liz Walsh on that media release and the Refugee Action Collective has done some excellent work and we've interviewed quite a few people from there, so pretty soon I'll be welcoming Liz. Then after that, we'll be speaking about um, the lived experience of of prison, and we're going to be speaking with Mark Johnson, um, MBE, and he's got a history of crime, homelessness and drug abuse, and he's um, become a leading figure in the criminal justice reform movement in the UK and internationally. Mark is actually from the UK, and his organisation... User Voice is led by ex-offenders and works to transform the criminal justice system. And I'll, re- I'll, I'll talk more about later um, about that later, and um, but and give a proper intro after the interview of Liz. So and and that leading up to that, we'll be speaking about um, an event or a couple of events that Mark will be speaking at. Um, one of the events is in Victoria. Geelong Corporate Centre, Deakin University Waterfront Campus, and I'll give you all those details later, um, and talk about the fact that he's also in partnership in partnership with um, a project at Deakin Uni. And Claire Steppings will also be joining us. She was she was our our radiothon mascot and listener from last Monday. It's approximately four oh two, and I wanted to welcome give Liz a very warm welcome. Welcome to the program.
2: Thanks, Marissa.
0: It's lovely to have you. Now, Liz, I'm just wondering if you could just give us a little bit of a report back sure. from, the, from the protest and why you had it. Just go for it. Just give us a bit of a background.
2: Well, yeah. So we, the Refugee Action Collective decided to target Bill Shorten's office uh, in Mini Ponds, and this was in response to Shorten's recent uh, comments in the press that a Labor government, a future Labor government, will stop the boats, And, of course, those uh, words uh, were chosen very carefully. He chose to echo Tony Abbott for a reason. He wanted to make it clear that a future Labor government will be just as cruel, just as vicious when it comes to treating refugees, uh, especially those who come by boat. Uh, And so we thought it was really important that the refugee movement uh, is very clear, that uh, while we very much are foreseeing the back of the Liberal government, which has only brought misery and death uh, for asylum seekers on, in offshore detention and elsewhere, uh, but that we have no illusions in the future Labor government, that they're not going to bring relief and they're not going to save the refugees. We're actually going to have to build an independent movement that fights both Labor and Liberal um, parties. Uh, so that was the, the, the message we were really trying to send with our action out the front of Shorten's office.
0: The reason why the Do and Time Show invited you here, Liz, is, mm-hmm. is just to clear up a few things because it it seems a, a, a bit inconsistent here, doesn't it? Because, you know, Bill Shorten did mention that he wants to end indefinite detention. Mm-hmm. But how can indefinite detention be ended um, if he's saying that... I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like, did, did he actually say that the boats had to be turned back?
2: That's right. That is actually... Uh, official Labor Party policy in 2015 at the ALP National Conference, the party adopted uh, boat turnbacks. Um, There was opposition from the left caucus, but they refused to bind their members, which meant that a section of the left, which uh, included what is now the industrial left, so the MUA, the um, RTBU, the CFMU, um, all voted to support the boat turnback policy. So they had the numbers at the 2015 conference uh, to oppose that, but they um, refused to do that because they didn't want to show disunity in front of Bill Shorten and to show all their support for Shorten's leadership. So the boat turnbacks is actually Labour Party policy. In terms of the, this message of boat turnbacks, wasn't just important in terms of uh, future asylum seekers attempting to get to Australia by boat. It was a message about the general approach of Labor Party policy to offshore detention. And so while Bill Shorten uh, and others can say things like uh, they're concerned about the treatment of refugees in offshore detention, that uh, getting refugees off Manus and Nauru is important, they are refusing, uh, Bill Shorten is refusing to put any time limit on um, how long people will be detained on Manus and Nauru. Uh, And not only that, he's also... Uh, maintaining the position that no asylum seeker will ever be brought to Australia uh, if they have attempted to come to Australia by boat. This is a policy that Kevin Rudd uh, introduced with the PNG deal in 2013, uh, and that remains Labor Party policy, which means there is no way for uh, refugees to be evacuated from Manus and Nauru and brought to safety unless they're brought to Australia. There's no third country settlement on offer that has any solution for the thousands still that remain uh, in offshore hell. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so very much. If they've refused to support the key demand of the refugee movement, which is to bring them here, then uh, they're going to continue indefinite detention.
0: And turning back the boats is actually against international law?
2: That's right, yes, very much so. And by Australia uh, establishing uh, boat turnbacks, it's helped to pave the way for other countries to... Adopt similar cruel policies. So you might have been following in the international news that Italy and um, Malta were refusing to allow a boat uh, to, uh, to dock um, at either of their ports, and, um, and Spain has recently accepted that boat, uh, which is carrying hundreds of asylum seekers. Uh, but also, a similar standoff happened with the Rohingya a few years ago, um, when there was the you know the height of the. Um, mass ethnic cleansing happening that, again, you know, the Australia's lead in saying that asylum seeker boats uh, will not be brought to, um, to the mainland was, um, was adopted by uh, a number of other countries in this region. So, yes, it's, uh, Australia's a leading uh, human rights abuser and is helping to drag down standards internationally.
0: In my research of this topic, and please correct me here if I'm wrong, and I wanted to, to discuss this with you, is mm-hmm. It says in the policy um, a quote here from Bill Shorten saying that boats will only turn back, be turned back mm-hmm. if they're safe. Now, how can a boat be safe? Like, what, what does that actually mean?
2: Well, they're saying that a boat won't be turned back if it's uh, taking water, I guess. So they'll assess whether it's sea- seaworthy and... Um, uh, though, you know, uh, given that there's so little information about what is happening on sea with the Navy turning boats back, uh, I wouldn't trust the Australian government to make any assessment that actually put asylum seeker lives first. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's the idea is that um, vessels that are in trouble won't be turned back, that, but that the Navy will take the people who are on board, those people won't be brought to the Australian man- mainland. They'd probably be brought to Christmas Island and then um, potentially deported to Manus or Nauru. Um, but, of course, there are hundreds that are still languishing also on Christmas Island, which is considered a part of Australia.
0: I mean, it's, it's interesting because I don't believe that any boat can be safe, mm-hmm. really. How, how, it, it can't be. It's not possible. I well, mean, Yeah,
2: these boats are, um, you know, are... Uh, usually very prim- you know, primitive, they sort of uh, fisherman boats. Um, but really, though, what makes the trip um, un- more unsafe in terms of the boat travel from Indonesia to Australia uh, are the actions, actually, of the Australian government itself. So uh, the fact that they have criminalised uh, what they call people smuggling, uh, which, you know, in other situations people have talked about, uh, people who helped... Uh, smuggle people to safety as being heroes, like uh, Oscar Schindler, for instance. Um, But the fact that it's criminalised means that um, those who operate in Indonesia use their least seaworthy vessels, because the vessels will be captured and destroyed. Um, They also need to take routes that are not as uh, safe to try and evade detection from the Navy. Uh, They put crew on that are young, who have less experience, because... Um, those people, those fishermen, those Indonesian fishermen, will be arrested and uh, detained by the Australian government and uh, charged uh, with people smuggling. So all of these things um, create uh, unsafe situations. So um, we have to also look at when they say we have to stop the boats to save lives. Well, clearly the Australian government does not give a damn about refugee people's lives because you know, we've just seen a number of people die in detention over the last um, few weeks. Uh, but we're, you know, also the, the deaths at sea are escalated by the, um, the fact that say, you know, safety of lives at sea, which should be paramount when it comes to maritime policy, is not uh, at all implemented by the Australian government.
0: And refugees indeed um, need to be able to exercise the basic right to seek asylum by boat, as I said, a right recognised by international law. But historically, mm-hmm. I don't think the Labor government was turning back the boats.
2: No, it used to be that boat turnbacks was a policy of the hard right and I believe it was actually Pauline Hanson who first raised the slogan boat turnbacks. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> so we could get a bit of a flavour of what the policy then is about. Um, so then it was adopted by uh, Tony Abbott and then now has been adopted by the Labor Bo- um, Party. So, yeah, boat turnbacks haven't, hasn't historically been Australian Labor Party policy Though it is important to recognise that Australian Labor Party policy has um, for many decades been anti-refugee. It's not just a new phenomenon with Bill Shorten. In 1992, it was the Labor Party that introduced mandatory detention in the first place. That was a new policy. It hadn't been that people were mandatorily detained when they sought asylum in Australia previously. Instead, they were held in reception centres. Uh, what's now Maribyrnong Detention Centre, a maximum sort of security almost uh, detention facility, had been a welcoming reception centre with refugees able to come and go to access um, various English language lessons to have some control over the food that they were um, being served. Uh, it was by no means uh, perfect and there were you know, often protests by migrants about conditions but uh, yeah, very much detention itself is... Um, uh, isn't, hasn't always been Australian policy either, and I think people forget that. They lose their imagination and think that the only way to treat asylum seekers to, is to um, to forcibly detain them behind razor wire.
0: It's crazy, and you know we, we really do need to, to push um, to push for, for change in mm-hmm. regards to that. But indeed, you know, putting aside Labor just for a second, I, it's this has become we're we're in a global crisis. We we really are. This mm. is a world issue, isn't it? And right. you know, you've got um, some countries opening their borders. There are too many refugees, homeless people on the streets, and really, the whole world needs to work together to to try and and help each other, isn't it, to overcome this global crisis?
2: Yeah, you're you're totally right, Marissa. It's a um, it is a uh, global issue, uh, and. I think it's important that we realise that refugees are products of um, crisis often created by Western powers. So many people are fleeing from war zones and from dictatorships that are backed by the West or wars that have been um, fostered or driven by Western powers um, like Iraq and um, Afghanistan. Uh, So, you know, the the Tamils who fled from the Sri Lankan uh, regime and the... um, uh, and the racist regime there that the Australian government has supported over the many years. So very much we have to sort of look beyond just the treatment of refugees in Australia and have a look at the, the responsibility that Australia, the US and others have in creating refugees in the first place. Um, but yeah, I think that we're seeing also governments around the world. Unfortunately, the, the trend is not towards welcoming refugees, but uh, throwing up the borders and uh, creating detention prisons And uh, I think governments use scapegoating of refugees and migrants as a way to distract people from the broader agenda that governments, whether they're conservative or social democratic, have when it comes to their own population of austerity, cutting funding for health and education. And this increasing authoritarian turn and uh, anti-worker, anti-poor turn means that, yeah, racism is a tool for all governments. Uh, And so when we resist and try and fight for refugee rights, we also need to take up those issues too and say that there's an alternative on all of these um, questions.
0: Absolutely, and, and in fact there's really a, a lack of consultation in terms of the lived experience of asylum seekers and refugees, mm-hmm. the lived experience of Aboriginal people and the lived experience of prisoners. That's right. Liz, it's, it's been great having you. Um, I wish we could talk about it some more, but I'm sure you'll be coming back for future updates. Can I um, let yeah. you know
2: about a few events course, coming up? Of course.
0: I was about to ask you if you had oh. any final comments.
2: Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, this Friday we're having a. Um, it's World Refugee Week this week, and on Friday there's a vigil because a refugee recently committed suicide uh, on Nauru, um, murdered by the policies of offshore detention. An Iranian man who's 26 years old. Um, And so there will be a vigil to protest about the fact that, you know, people's lives are still being destroyed by our government. And that starts at um, 5.30 at the National Gallery of Victoria. There will be speeches, music and projections. And then on July 21st, there's a major rally that RAC is organising, 2pm at the State Library on July 21st. And uh, that's to say five years is enough, end um, offshore detention and bring the refugees here.
0: That's great. Well, let's just hope that, because um, a lot of um, Labor um, labour MPs mm-hmm. oppose the turning back the boats policy, let's hope that, you know, some change can happen there.
2: Well, definitely. What we do on the streets uh, is all part of trying to put the heat on all Labor MPs to abandon Labor's appalling policy.
0: And whilst um, voting, absolutely, and, and whilst voting can be a, a tool for change, what we need to remember as well is, and I was talking off air to some people about this, is that it's all very well to have political parties, but at the end of the day, you know, a lot of most parties, are, all parties are governed by the multinationals and, mm-hmm. and the boardrooms, aren't they?
2: That's right. It's the top end of town corporations that really dominate when it comes to policies, and the only way that our voices are going to be heard is through collective action.
0: Well, let's send out a shout-out to Bill Shorten on this radio show um, you know, to walk his talk. He, he's, he's good. He talks about, you know, um, helping the hospitals and helping the poor, isn't it, Liz? And, and people that are most vulnerable. Let's, let's look at him um, eradicating that turning back the boats policy, because whether he meant it or not, it's pretty inconsistent.
2: Yes, we definitely want to see Labour break from the bipartisan cruelty.
0: Thank you so much for coming onto the program and just for listeners' benefit, um, we're going to be going into an announcement and then a song. I will then give an intro for our next interview and then we'll um, we'll speak with Mark um, and and also to, to a bit to Claire as well. Good on you, Liz. Great. Thanks, Thanks very so very much. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye.
3: What was it that inspired you to study the ethics of freedom of expression and communication?
2: Really, the
1: Piss christ exhibition um, when it was in Australia in nineteen ninety seven I was really shocked actually that that Serrano had immersed something in urine, and I thought that my own reaction was quite astonishing, partly
3: because well partly because I am an atheist, you know, so why am I being shocked <laughs> about?
0: and you're back with the doin' time so sh- sorry back with the doin time show and this that was a song by bob marley and i'll read out the name of the song later but it's, it really is quite an appropriate song given what we were talking about and what we are about to talk about so in case listeners have just tuned in this is the doin' time show and it's approximately 4:22 3cr.org.au, eight, streaming live, 855 a.m. on the dial. And you just heard an interview recently with Liz Walsh from the Refugee Action Collective giving a report back on a protest um, about Bill Shorten's recent policy to turn back the boats. And coming up soon is Mark Johnson, um, MBE, member of the British Empire. And we're going to be speaking to him shortly, and I'm hoping not to say too much. I'm going to just stay in the background and I'm going to try and um, have him talk as much as possible. He's an international guest from the UK, but I'll just quickly read out this introduction. Mark is the founder and CEO of User Voice. Mark's organisation, User Voice, is led by ex-offenders and works to transform the criminal justice system. Mark is an ex-offender and former drug abuser. After primary, secondary and tertiary rehab, he started a tree surgery business. His policy was to employ other recovering addicts and ex-offenders. He won, among other accolades, a Pride of Britain award for his work. His best-selling autobiography, Wasted, was published in 2007. What a cool title. Mark went on to become a policy advisor to the Prince's Trust, then the government and the third sector. He founded the charity User Voice to offer policymakers access to the unheard and marginalised voices in society. More recently, he founded can do coffee while offering socially excluded and meaningful employment opportunities. Mark is a shock, an Ashoka fella, and visiting associate at the University of Durham. He was awarded an MBE in 2015 for services to vulnerable people. He is a renowned social commentator and public speaker. Mark has come to Australia for two weeks to be a keynote speaker at the Reintegration Puzzle Conference in Hobart. And in his presentation, he will describe his personal journey from addiction to award-winning social enterprise to discussing the value of lived experience and listening to the user voice. And he will outline the sorry state of involving people from, from tokenism to sharing power and the barriers to involvement. Excuse my pronunciation with certain things. I have a Braille computer that's absolutely hopeless, and uh, the dots are really bad. It's worse than hundreds and thousands on bread. (laughs) (laughs) You'd you'd appreciate that, Mark, coming from the UK. Braille is a bit like hundreds and thousands, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Look, in the studio today joining us, um, I I wanted to give an intro, and I gave an intro out of... um, Constructive rebellion. I'm a rebel with a cause, not without a cause. Um, mm. simply that mainstream media wouldn't have given such an extensive introduction. And it is important to honour, um, the work that you've done, Mark. So welcome to you, Mark, and also Claire as well. Thank you, Claire is our mascot for the Doing Time show. And also Danny is here, um, Mark's offsider and assistant. Hi, Danny. Hi. Uh, yeah, don't, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Pull up a chair. You need just in case you need to say anything. Yeah. Mm. So just face the mic there. That's great. So, Mark, I'm wondering if we could start off by you just talking about um, your background. And, and Claire, I know you met Mark while you were overseas. Yep. Um, and in fact, just to quickly before we look at that, Mark, you met Mark. Um, and use a voice for your church, Churchill Fellowship. That's right. And we've spoken that, about that before. Yes, that's right. So, Mark, let's talk. H- how did you get involved with all this?
1: Well, that was the um, most amazing introduction <laughs> I've ever had in my life, I think. Um, <laughs> comprehensive. Um, <clears throat> yeah, how did I get involved? I I'm not too sure. Sometimes i have to pinch myself. Um, even today, I've been clean for 18 years, and I think those... 18 years have been stranger than the the ones before it. You know, um, some of the things that I've done, had the privilege of um, the people I've had the privilege to meet, um, and the organisations and and sort of impact um, of the work that we've done and stuff. It's um, yeah, it's been pretty strange over the last 18 years. Um, I think it all come from, and I suppose this is my kind of the point to kind of all of my work today. And that's um, through the, the 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 lived experience that I've um, the the experience that I've lived through, uh, as a child to a young person to a, an adult, and a, you know to be sort of savaged by drug addiction, etc. To address that and to literally turn it on its head, the problem has now become the solution. Um, and I'm a big advocate for people that have sort of walked through it, that have survived through it, that have thrive through it, to actually go and apply themselves back onto a, a system which really needs it, let's face it.
0: So you've, yeah. th- you've lived through drug abuse and addiction, and you're pretty well placed to do that. How did you actually, uh, we have to say that uh, it's a bit of a capitalist, racist system out there wherever we live, mm-hmm. a bit of a global crisis. So how did you actually work out, con- convince the politicians or c- convince... Um, organise, you know, organisations to accept This um, peer mentoring Program um, Was it hard?
1: I think, I think um, When if I use a principle and that's it's One of the values of user voice actually And that's authenticity um, And I think that when you've Lived through it, you know so much About it, whether that's oh, Domestic violence, um, mental Health you know, like all, all of the very sort of difficult things to understand. and um, But when you've, when you've lived through it and you've come out the other side, you have an authenticity to what you say. And so it's only about creating or uh, being helped to have an opportunity to face people in power. And once you do face people in power with your authenticity and your lived experience, they're actually the room falls silent often. Um, believe it or not, because the, the, there's a skills deficit, whether that's amongst professionals. Um, we think we know by learning, going to university and learning from a piece of paper, but obviously we only, uh, only know what we're told by somebody else's opinion about a social subject. And so a, a politician, for instance, is, um, you know, policies derived not from... From professionals or professional insight, it's derived through what's popular, and oft- often that's derived from the media, yeah. and then the media's derived from sensationalism. And so, when you hit them with a thundering bolt of reality, um, they listen. Yeah, they have to listen.
0: So, how, with, you, you've talked about how User Voice was created. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about the aims and objectives of User Voice and, and how you get your funding?
1: Oh, that's... Like, a, that's what a, is it? Yeah, that's... I mean, my my mission, my mission in life, I suppose, is to help as many people as I can. And that's not because I've been redeemed and had this, like, evangelical experience yeah. of, like, wanting to go and help. It's just the fact of the bloody injustice that's occurred throughout my life. Um, and now that I'm in a position of sort of knowing myself and knowing what power that I do get, have... Um, you know, I've got this drive to want to go and help others, and then the other one is is I know that there's many other people like me out there, through whatever reason, just haven't had the the opportunity, encouragement, and support, and um and that's where mentoring and stuff comes in. Um, mm. is because what what is a what is mentoring? It's about you know developing an, an honest, trusting relationship by somebody that actually kind of under- half understands what, you, what you're going through or what you've been through, and it just so happens that ex-offenders, people who have been through the justice system, been through child abuse in all of its forms, um, and come out the other end of it, they have like this hard-won knowledge which is just impossible to go to university uh, yeah. about, and that's why I created User Voice because it's 95% led and staffed by ex-offenders. Um, and they go and work inside of prisons. The special bit is they they now have keys. Okay. To um, so the seen, cells. Yeah, the cells. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> like I, I actually was opposed to it. Uh, yeah, Daniel. Right. Daniel's here. He knows like you mean. But <laughs> I was. Sorry,
0: app- sorry. So who's got keys to the spectrack who Who's got keys to the cells? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we in in England we we work so we work now in 30 prisons. Okay. And we work in two thirds of the whole country. That's from the Scottish borders down to. Now, you know, who's we? Uh, the whole organisation. The whole, yeah. User go on. voice, yeah. yeah. Um, we've got probably about 50 or 60 full time staff. Yes. Then uh, uh, probably half again in part time, and then a whole raft of um, what we call paid associates and volunteers and stuff. Yeah. Um, and the people that work in the prisons, there's pretty much three key holders to each prison. Yes. And that uh, we because we're 95% led and lived by ex offenders, that means they're all got key holders for prisons. <laughs> and it's never been done before, but it actually works. Like, it works so tremendously well. And I'll tell you what really tell works. Us, tell us about it. What, what really works about it is we suggest, we think that we need to get sort of this complex sort of science behind reducing, reoffending and all of this stuff when often what it's about, as I said to you, is opportunity, encouragement, support and it's saying, well, if you see somebody that you might have known in the past or you know somebody that knows because they were notorious offenders um, walking around the prison, it turns your whole understanding of um, where yeah. you are, of this sort of um this rite of passage which often offenders come from you know my uncle's done it my dad's done it my but then then you see somebody who has done it holding keys walking around the wings with a new message
0: okay so that, it's so it's, the, it's an unspoken education
1: yeah it's an unspoken education and even in your you know yeah. even if you're still active you can't help but say well if he could do it I could I see. Which, so it's an introduction of hope that change is possible
0: yeah, and Mark, I, I hope you don't mind me asking you specific questions about it. I'm just trying to to give listeners a bit of it, because here in Australia it's fairly new, isn't it, Claire? Very. This type of thing. So we're not used to it. Yeah. Um, so it's really important that I'm asking you these questions to educate listeners. So can you just give a little... So I'm not interrogating you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Can you just give a little bit of um, just a day in the life of... A worker in user voice what, what would they be doing so, so they, they would be going out to the prisons correct yes and what would they be doing counseling or just more walking well, around well, the prison what th- what happens? This is
1: well let me just go back a little bit Thank to you. help you understand a bit more sure because so when we set it up you it, it was through observation of the whole criminal justice system for me it doesn't work no and um, 99% of people it doesn't work people get out of um, crime or prison etc Almost by default or a series of incremental changes, whether it's mom and dad, whether it's the loved one, whether it's a job, whether it's mental health service, whether it's, a, it's all of these things, you know, make and then time and circumstance as well. Age has got to, yeah. um, you know, been to jail one too many times. But so the lived experience, what I've got has a value, right, which is, but it's not recognized, Okay, yeah. so I know how to stop taking drugs, stop committing crime, and how to ad- adjust my mind to the series of risks and mental relapses that I could have, but go on the sort of, let's call it the straight and narrow, mm-hmm. okay? Yep. Yeah. So, but that skill set is not recognised Okay? But it's got a tremendous power working with other people. So firstly, the prison governors, you've got to get into prison. How do you do that? Well, traditionally it was getting uh, charitable funding, I'm looking at Claire, Mm -hmm. Uh, getting charitable funding, etc, and then saying, right, we want to work in prison. Well, the prison governor, it's a really strange world prison, because it's all about containment. It's not about rehabilitation as a whole. Um, And I could prove that, you know, there's a lot like that we could have hours discussion on it but um so it's it's about containment. So firstly we have to get the governor to recognise that it's got this has got a value and so we got them to pay for it. So user voice in the UK is ninety five percent I'm looking at Daniel, ninety five percent contractual funded. Good. And so what that means straight away is the governor's taking it so serious, yeah? yeah. So why does he take it serious? Because one part of the lived experience and applying it is about we can reduce violence through negotiation and communication with one another. So he's got a problem with prisoner-staff violence or prisoner-prisoner violence. I see. So there's there's this world. There's the governor world. There's the senior manager world. There's the wing staff world. And then there's the real world, which is made up of prisoners. And one can't often access the other. Yeah. But when you get an ex offender there, they work without barriers and yeah. um one of the the biggest barrier across the board is trust absolutely um, so a professional to an offender I, I don't even like the word you know what I mean but we, we, yeah. u, we you know we use it because it's sort of hard to think of what anything can you do exactly? that describes um what we're talking about because really they're just people you know what i mean they've made mistakes and that's like human nature but yeah um so yeah we we um get the prison governors to pay for what we do and they pay for their service improvement they don't pay for rehabilitation of the individual Sure, but we do it for the rehabilitation of the individual yeah <laughs> okay yeah, so that's how we've that's how we were that's how we've become got successful really is because we've gone right we've understood the the landscape yeah. we've understood that um that actually the services that the public think that are there to um it's called punish and reform yeah they they do one part of it quite well. Um, and that's, where well, they don't even punish, really. It's containment.
0: Okay, so I'm, yeah. I, I'm actually, I've, I've actually, um, I'm just going to give you a bit of a scenario here, right? Yeah. I'm going to be a typical social worker. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I'm an ex-offender, okay? I've abused drugs. Yeah. What are you going to do for me? What, why, should I, why should I actually be... Um, in Use A Voice. What we're, can you do for me? We're not going to do you anything
1: me? for you. Um, that's the first message that you'd ever oh, hear good, from so me. User a Voice good mate. You're, not not, you're not a do-gooder, You're not a do-gooder? No. You, <laughs> All you, right. You know, we, we don't do anything because that's the paradigm shift, really, from Okay, so what, what will I do? How can you help list. me? We're, we're, or do I have to help myself? We've <laughs> got a world, we've got, you know, we've got a world, especially vulnerable sort of what we would class the vulnerable group of society, etc., that have got yeah. this learnt helplessness. So exactly. That's f- why I asked you the question. Yeah, this, yeah. Yeah, this first message is, um, we won't you. do anything for you. You're yep. actually going to do it for yourself. Yep. And, so, and we're, this is about creating an enabling environment and exploring power. And even though we're doing it in such an extreme environment where yes. all of our power has been removed and all of our responsibilities and all of our choices and everything have been removed, there's still some that we've got, and we're going to start to work with that. Yeah, That's so, great, Mark. Yeah. I mean,
0: look, look, you've given a really good overview, and, and mm. correct me if I'm wrong here, but what you're actually saying is that, um, you know, obviously people in prison have a choice as to whether or not they want to use, use a voice, yeah? yeah, and it's all about um, negotiation and going into the prison to help people help themselves. Is that right?
1: Yeah. yeah. The, the, I mean, the, the thing what you've got to understand is, if the problem's mistrust, and it's a learned mistrust as well, it's the mistrust that comes through social services.
3: <laughs> yeah. You
1: know, when I yeah. was a kid, you know, like, the first introduction I had was, you know, the social social worker stood around looking at me like a victim. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And then, like, meeting the psychiatrist when I was eight... You know, who then said the answer was sending me to boxing classes because I was so violent. You know, it was ridiculous. Not anger management? They didn't, nobody reached me, do you know what I mean? And so what they did do is built up layers of mistrust where I would tell you Mm -hmm. what you needed to know. Mm -hmm. And so first, you've got to get through this, this barrier. And then the second part is provide an opportunity for people. And if you provide an opportunity... They often take it with both hands. And That's what, fantastic. What happens, what happens, though, in in this sort of colonialist approach to uh, social problem solving is that one group of people can't access the other. So the people like me, who are still active, um, would not engage with somebody like Claire as a social worker, for instance. You know what I mean, I just wouldn't do it. Because I'd want to get from the centre, but where I would, and which would be absolutely pivotal to my introduction to a relationship with an intervention or something, is somebody else that was like me that I could trust, that said, you know what, like I've done this and it's okay.
0: But you trust Claire though, because otherwise you wouldn't have spoken to her about the research. <laughs> but
1: this is, but, this, but, here, so, so, and it, yeah, it's very, very interesting. What, what it's about is I know what you The, you're the role, that, the level, role yeah. that lived experience yeah. plays, yeah. right? Yeah is the first spearhead okay? Yeah. Because the real the fundamental problem is yeah, distrust.
3: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah?
1: Is that going, okay, I'm gonna get involved with you and you're just gonna have me over again. I or get it. or, you know, the services that you're claiming you're offering the world to the me to the world, i. e. changing lives, you're underqualified to deal with my problems. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't even know what they are. But but I, I know it. that what you, your intervention is like an activity-based intervention. Where I've got a deeply, almost clinical psychological problem, I need to be fitted with the right yeah. help. So
0: you're basically saying, Mark, that as, you know that user voice is involved with, um, uh, you know, being being in the prison, isn't it? Is it, is it being just in the prison or do you.? No, it's, talk being out, it's, it's being, out being out everywhere, to, yeah. It's everywhere.
1: inside and out, yeah. Good. It's not, it's not, and it also it's not just about that, is, you know, the amount of reports and piece of research that gets done by people with power. Got yeah. And mainly they're like academic institutes or, you know, senior criminal justice uh, people or named people that want to name for themselves and they're, I'll call it dining out on other people's misery. Do you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> No, but, but yeah, I what, what, what I what I'm saying yeah, is like they go into I'm a community this is a colonialism you see this is the this is where we got it all got it wrong is that they go into these communities and write it up on their clipboards and paper then get a, a name for it and then try and regurgitate an intervention over a group of people that don't even need it that could do it for themselves exactly. given the opportunity they Look could do it for themselves and also that information is owned by them so if control. I give if I give Claire, for instance, you know, I'm looking at <laughs> If I give Claire, you know, information about myself that's accurate, that's my information, and there needs to be a respect for that. Of course. Whereas what, but what's happened is the powerful, are dominating the powerless. That's exactly. You know, exactly like all right. of the time, we're just getting further and further away. So, use the voices principle. We yes, we do research, but. We do it in such a way that we, do, we have peer researchers, so we pay people to that actually go and gather evident, uh, information or whatever, and then those people are actually pushed forward to government, to the, home, the, you know, the select committees or any kind of um, gatherings you know, from the great and the good, and they get an opportunity to go and share that for themselves. That's fantastic, um, Mark. Yeah. Now,
0: it's, it's 4.44, we and haven't, we haven't got much more time, but... Um, I wanted to, can I just um, let people know, listeners know about the talk in Geelong? Is that all right? Yeah, sure. So Mark will be delivering a talk in Geelong supporting an innovating peer mentoring pilot program in Geelong, which is a partnership between Deakin University and, how do you pronounce this word, philanthropy Philanthropy. <laughs> <laughs> how do you pronounce it?
3: Philanthropy. Philanthropy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Built on Claire Sepping's Churchill Fellowship. Research. So, joint speaker, Mark Johnson, MBE. Um, now, I've, I need to find the address here, otherwise what's the point? Here we go. Yes, yeah,
3: well, hang fire with the address, but if people are interested, they yes. can email me Which at is? claire, C-L-A-I-R-E dot seppings, S-E-P-P-I-N-G-S, at au.
0: And where is it? Geelong Corporate Centre. Deakin University Waterfront Campus, yes. Sally Walker Building, Cunningham Street. When? Wednesday the 27th of June. At 2 o'clock. Two, and it goes until 4.
3: Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, I must stress for people to email me so that we can um, yeah, keep in touch with him in case we need to move um, location.
0: Absolutely. And, and Mark, I hope you haven't felt put upon. It, it was really, it's just really important that we, we talked about this in detail because it's something that's, that's very new to Australia.
1: Yeah, no, it's not. No, you couldn't put on me. I mean, the, the, um, yeah, as I said, my life's mission is to offer help wherever I can. Really, to you know, to be honest, and that that's a global issue. And um, as I said, eighteen years, I've travelled the world, and um, we've all got the same issue, and that's kind of lack of understanding. It, look, <laughs> it know? is a real lack of lack yeah. of understanding,
0: yeah. and and I suppose you know, I've been a little a little bit jokey now and then, a bit sarcastic as well, but but really. Why, because sometimes we do have to you, need to use black humor just to survive. <laughs> Absolutely. But I think Mark, one of one of the things that I really want to stress to listeners is that it's important to have lived experience, whether that's the lived experience of prisoners, whether that's the lived experience of aboriginal people. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's important to, to to consult people with lived experience, isn't it? Yeah. And one of the things that I think we do need to make a little bit clearer here is, um, we've established that in user voice, people help themselves, okay, that it's not about power. And, and you, you've actually, um, looked at that very, very, very clearly. But there is one thing that I don't understand that, that I need you to, to help me with, Mark. Mm. And that is, you say that the, that the governor, um, pays the prisoners and I want to make sure that when we put out our podcast that people know what it what the program is do do you know what I'm trying to say so what I'm saying is when you say negotiation can you just give us a little bit of a a real life example just so that listeners can understand what you mean what what do you mean what's an example of negotiation
1: you say the prison the prisoner uh, the governor pays the prisoners, he doesn't, he pays user voice. Yeah, he voice. pays the prisoners. Yeah. He sorry, pays, user pays, the, pa- yeah, sorry, pays user voice. Yeah, sorry,
0: he pays user voice, okay. So, so <laughs> when the pri- when they go into the prisons, what would be like an example?
1: So we, we run, With, yeah. we, we, we've based it on democracy, that yes. dirty word, democracy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't work, but it's the best thing that we've kind of got, do you know mean? If we if we weren't there, and what what we predominantly do is monitor between power and non-power. Okay. And we've we've written it up in such a way. We've done a lot of work on this, by the way. Um, sure. And we've written it up in such a way that um, we can kind of bring everybody to this kind of point of well, it's actually elusive, but we always try to attain it, and that's balance mm-hmm. um, through power. Um, we've had you know sort of experienced prisoners. I mean, looking at Dan, uh, we've had prisoners. Uh, Revolt against the system or the, you know, the, the, the model hasn't been observed and it turns into a communist state with a <laughs> yeah. group of prisoners wanting to run the whole prison, but actually when we point out that they're only representative of themselves, which is really dangerous, yeah. we can kind of get that, we get that back on track often with the governor, yeah? And, oh, I uh, see. and by saying, who are you representative of? We... Our training is all about teaching people representative skills to go represent people that are more vulnerable, or um, to make sure that when there's a council meeting, that that's an ensemble of people that it's issue based. So it can be so, and and then to the governor, we we educate them to say when you're looking at a group of people, you you have to make sure that each. Each of the sort of um community is represented fully so whether oh, I that's see. drug addicts, whether that's vulnerable prisoners, whether that's um people that have never even seen the governor because they're so active that they won't engage in anything that we make sure that we get a real good sweep of the whole community so in in actually outside in the community um you know we have we have women, women for women, young people drugs uh mental health. Um, ah, rehabilitation okay. jobs—it's all represented within the council, and they have a voting procedure where it sort of goes round. There's often a pre-meeting before the governor, because that's the, the the colourful bit, yeah. So that I often see. that doesn't the fight the infighting and <laughs> stuff. So representing
0: and, uh, people on issues that are important to them.
1: Yeah, but what it, and what it is—it's it's an intervention. Yes. Because what and, and this is it's kind of nuanced You have to look at it very carefully. Because when you look at this group of people, they're often it's their first introduction to solving problems non-violently, oh, yeah. or without dominating other people that are kind of vulnerable. So of, it's a real introduction into saying, actually, I can solve my problems without you know dominating you or putting you uh, stabbing you, you know, like or yeah, yeah. you know, etc. So it's it, the, the, you do see real sort of um, transformation. I think, um, with, with people. And we offer, when, when you said that question before, what are you going to do for me? <laughs> and we will, the first message is, we're not going to do anything, you're going to do it. And one of our guarantees are, your life is going to be different in three months' time by doing this, getting involved in this stuff. Yep, and it's kind of in a guarantee that's kind of a mature guarantee now, mm. that we know we've done this for 10 years now. And we, we know that um, once people, like, immerse themselves with their peers... Um, in a non-power-holding way, but use their negotiation skills. And actually, a lot of transferable skills, let's face it. So how you get from, you used to sell drugs. Well, if you sold drugs, then you know how to run a line of supply chain. Well, finding people and representing people is kind of a similar method to that. Mm -hmm. So you can use a lot of the skill set. In your criminal sort of behavior in your in the in oh, your new okay. one
3: yeah. I've so spoken you, about that before yeah. too, and um, yeah. and I think I might have mentioned before as well here Marissa, about mm. you know looking at a prison as a community where our prisons are very undemocratic, so one thing mm. that I brought back from when I was um in the u k was people talking about active citizenship yeah. And, and viewing the prison as a community, and so that you, that's what you' do, you're doing you're giving people a sense of oh, actually yeah I, I can learn how to how to then yeah, address issues in other ways, oh. but when you think if people are in prison in a very undemocratic um, environment, but then they're coming back out into mainstream community, you know how do you navigate that unless you've been trying to just con- like a continuum just if you you know seem to be or you know given all the um you know um, ability to be able to, to vote and, and be a part of whatever ever you kind of do in the community, but you lose that for a period of time in prison, how do you get that back again by keeping exactly. the prison as a community too
0: And as a community you could, you could go to the governor, couldn't you, and, and negotiate with the governor about improving things in the prison
1: that's, that's exactly what they do, and okay. I mean, we always start with a place of going. Look, there's always these big things that need to change.
0: So that can happen. That's that's a part. But we of it. we
1: teach about negotiation skills and say, like, let's gather up all of the little bits, yeah, yeah? yeah. all of the little tiny changes which are going to be really going to give you credibility with the governor and senior members of staff. Mm. So it can be things like deep cleaning of visit halls. It can be um, you know, um, making sure that people clean the showers or, you know, like really small changes which gives the council validation nice. to the, of the governor. And then, uh, mm. absolutely, absolutely, and then start chipping away at the really big things. Um, I get
0: Yeah, yeah. look, it's, it's Mark, it, the reason why I asked you that question before, I, I knew quite well, really. Um, that it was about negotiation, but I asked her that question to get you going, really, because, <laughs> do you know what I mean, to, yeah. to make sure that we, we answered that question, because often um, we are conditioned to have people do things for us. Yeah. We are conditioned into the police defending us um, against rape and crime when we could be defending ourselves, mm. you know, and, and that's what user voice is, isn't it? It's about... Defending yourself, not just phys- or not so physically, but also emotionally as well. Yeah. it's approximately four fifty-four. We've only got about three minutes, um, and I wanted to thank you, Mark, for coming in, and, and thank you, Claire, as well, for helping me um, to prepare this material. Pleasure. And um, and thank you, Dan, Daniel, as well, mm-hmm. for accompanying Mark. But just uh, a few housekeeping things for the show. Um, we had our radiothon last week and we've had heaps and heaps of pledges and we've, we've met our target but we are needing um, people to pay your pledges when you can and if you pay before the 30th of June um, you, you will get um, a tax receipt and that's, that's really important. So um, there are various ways to pay um, and yeah, call 94198377 if you want to do that. Um, and get that, get that if you can. And Claire, could you just give out your email address again in case people want to um, go to Geelong? Yes,
3: yeah, sure. Uh, Claire, C L A I R E. Dot Seppings, S E P P I N G S at deakin.edu.au.
0: Yeah, and also just a, a correction on air last week, or an addition. Margaret and Peter donated fifty dollars um, for the show. And they wanted to do that also in memory of Mouse, who was a former contributor um, on the Do and Time Show. So, yeah, um, Mark, thank you so much. And I, I, I wanted to um, welcome you to Australia and, and really wish you the very, very best for the, um, the events that you're, you're doing. And, and I wanted to thank you for coming um, to the Do and Time Show. We're, we're in some ways quite confrontational with our media and we like to um, not so much concentrate on... Um, the addictions and what people have done, because that's quite enough. They sensationalise that enough in mainstream media. Mm. Um, we like to actually concentrate on the programmes.
1: Oh, brilliant. Thank yeah. you.
0: Thanks so much. So we're going to be going out pretty soon with our theme song, Blackfella, Whitefella, from the Rumpy event, And tune in every Monday for the Doin' Time show, um, every Monday from 4 to 5 pm. Um, a cheerio to Peter, who couldn't make it today. Thanks to Rob as well for helping out um, with the show. And um, with the producing, and uh, see you next Monday. We've got Beyond Zero up next. Thanks a lot. Stay safe and take care of each other.